Craig Wilson, editor of Stuff Magazine, and I have the pleasure today of chatting to two people who know more about Jaguars than, well, probably anybody else I know. We're coming to you today from the Jaguar Land Rover Experience in Johannesburg. This is a recently opened facility, um, and I'm talking today to Isaac Lowe, who's the product and pricing analyst here, and to Brian Hasty, who, uh, amongst other things, is the dealer network director, but also the project lead for electrification. Gentlemen, thanks very much. Uh, perhaps let's start with you, Zach. Let's talk a little bit about this incredible facility. Absolutely, Craig. It's the biggest one in the world. It was um, opened recently and we've had an overwhelmingly good experience. A lot of corporates coming in to visit the facility. Um, a lot of people really getting to grips with what their cars can really do. Well, I see, for example, we've got a, a sort of cross-section of a Jaguar downstairs where you can peer into the sort of the inner workings. Uh, and then we've got things like uh, an off-road track um, and just a, a skid pan, uh, sort of a bunch of ways to really put the Jags through their paces, or the Land Rovers for that matter. Absolutely. Um, so Before you uh, take one home, hopefully. Definitely. <laughs> so on the skid pan, you can really feel what it feels like to take your F-type sideways. And on the dynamic handling track, you can also put the Jags and the some of the Land Rovers through its faces. And then we've got the um, Kingsley Holgate Trail, mm -hmm. uh, which is a 4.7 kilometer trail through um, a very bushy and um, typically your off-road area where you can see what Land Rover is capable of. Sure. And then I see there's also some sort of quite high-tech stuff downstairs where you can do a lot of customization because I think one of the charms of buying a Land Rover or a Jaguar is that you can... Uh, you know, customize everything from the interior to the wheels to the finish uh, and really make it feel like a unique vehicle, assuming that you're you're willing to wait and you don't want to buy one off the floor and drive it home immediately. Absolutely. Um, so downstairs, there are two studios, one for Jaguar and one for Land Rover, where you can really get to, uh, in terms of um, the touch and feel of the vehicle, you can really um, see what it's going to look like, what technology you want to incorporate into your vehicle, and also what dynamic features you might want to have. Sure. Now, I think a lot of people listening probably are quite familiar with the Jaguar and Land Rover brands. But for those who aren't, um, perhaps you can give us a quick update on, in particular, I think the Pace family, because that's what we really want to chat about today. Absolutely. So um, to start off with the uh, E-Pace, we've got a very um, special limited edition for one year only called the Checkered Flag. So that's on the two liter diesel um, and it's based off the S derivative, but it also includes a lot of additional features um, like a sunroof, uh, navigation and keyless entry, all of those convenience features that you've become used to throughout the years. Right. And then also on the F-Base, we've got on the four cylinders, also the checkered flag with the same additional features. But on the six cylinders, these are 300 Sport, um, which is really more dynamic looking, visually appealing, and also limited to three colors. But then also on F-Base, we have the F-Base SVR, mm -hmm. uh, which is an astonishing vehicle. Um, 405 kilowatts of raw power, and the car just amazes everyone that gets behind the wheel of it. Right. And then recently launched um, here at the Jaguar Land Rover Experience in Johannesburg, we have the 
all electric Jaguar I-Pace, which is very, very exciting news for us indeed. Well, sure. Now, you talk about exceptional cars. I've had the pleasure of spending some time with the I-Pace this week. And, you know, what has been remarkable is just the number of people, uh, strangers, who have just wanted to stop me and talk about it. You know, I think the hype around this vehicle is uh, astounding. And I'm amazed at the sort of general level of knowledge out there. You know, it's not just Jaguar owners who've been stopping me. It's people going, ah, is this the all-electric one? How does it drive? What is it like? It must be very exciting for you guys to have something that commands this much uh, consumer interest right off the bat. Absolutely. I must say, in terms of um, sales, we've been really amazed. We can't keep up with the volume we have been allocated to for the year. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the car just seems to amaze everyone that gets into it. Um, It's it's got a range of 470 kilometers Mm -hmm. per, per charge. And it really, really performs exceptionally well. Now, I think you mentioned the, the range there and the charge. And of course, this is uh, one of the big concerns that we encounter a lot from our uh, readers is the standard EV thing of, of range anxiety. And, and maybe, Brian, you can talk to this a little bit too. You know, why was it that Jaguar Land Rover saw this as an appropriate sort of time to bring something like the I-Pace to this market where there are so few EV options currently? So I think it's one must sort of step back and look at what's happening from a global picture because our market is uh, made up of what comes out of global Mm -hmm. Uh, so the global picture is one of increasing electrification because all manufacturers are being driven to reduce um, their overall emissions of their fleets Mm -hmm. and therefore electric is the answer to zero emissions or reduced emissions in the case of a hybrid system on the back of that there's been uh, the demonization of diesel sure. because of the uh, particulates in diesel emissions and that has led a lot of manufacturers to say that they will reduce diesel production they will introduce electric uh, and and a lot of local governments um, have got bans on diesel um, and, and so there's this massive global trend towards electrification and, and what's significant is that there's equal take up in China in Europe in the US it's not a fad it's not a Eurocentric thing that's going to go away is the significant swing and what we'll see uh, certainly the predictions are that we'll see uh, diesel engines becoming extinct within model ranges Mm. and you'll have model ranges made up of uh, petrol internal combustion engines ice uh, petrol electric hybrids Mm. um, and fully electric cars Um, so model the makeup of model ranges will change and Jaguar Land Rover is at the forefront of that um, thinking and that, that development so last year already our CEO made the statement that all new model ranges will contain some form of electrified models from 2020 Mm -hmm. and the adoption of platforms which are completely flexible and scalable in terms of fully electric full ice or a combination being hybrid and the view was to adopt early and actually try to become a leader in the field. Jaguar is synonymous with leadership, be it disc brakes on, on the D-Type, which won Lamar in the in the 50s, or uh, many other uh, developments since. And, and Jaguar actually has taken leadership in the um, electrification space with our pace. So not only is it a good electric car, um, it's one global world car of the year. So it's a very good car full stop. And 
and it really the opportunity was too big not to take to bring this car now and to be at the forefront of this new trend which is is will be adopted by everybody we we predict well you talk about the sort of leadership role and you know we were very uh, pleasantly surprised and impressed when we saw at the end of last year this initiative undertaken to roll out more than 80 charging stations along national roads in South Africa uh, EVs have been available very granted not many of them you can count them on one hand been available for a couple of years one of the huge obstacles has been the infrastructure to support them now you know with limited to no support officially from government this seems like a really um, a really big uh, bet from from Jaguar in the future of electrification to spend that money to to build that infrastructure was it a case of someone has to take the lead because we can't expect government to so we we were convinced that we wanted to adopt electric early in in this market mm-hmm. um, the vehicle is uh, launched globally and we wanted to to um, be globally relevant and to bring this fantastic product and many more that will follow so it's not sure, limited sure. to our pace yeah this is setting ourselves up for models full electric or plug-in electric across the entire range we've also launched the Range Rover Sport Range Rover plug-in hybrids recently it's setting ourselves up for the future we we thought about it and we realized that convincing a customer on the showroom floor to adopt electric when there is no public charging infrastructure to speak of is a tall order but in principle we also believe that a car maker shouldn't also have to go and create a bunch of filling stations we leave that to BP to Shell to Total and and the likes and they are commercially viable and they we coexist and so we partnered with a charging company called grid cars and basically what our added contribution investment um, input was it allowed grid cars to make a bigger investment sooner they had always planned to create a um, connected grid of charging stations so that you can travel across cities between cities but they uh, needed additional financial resource and they needed additional impetus and the launch of the Jaguar I-Pace obviously gives a lot of impetus and our partnering with them allowed um, a that investment to roll out in in the short term. We don't believe that each manufacturer should have to go and put their own infrastructure in because electric will just not work properly. Imagine if we tried to do that for petrol and uh, diesel. Well, sure, as you mentioned, I mean, it doesn't matter what car you drive, you use the same nozzle at a petrol station, you know, to to refill. And uh, it seems bizarre that we would go any different for for electric, right? Yeah. So our partnership with Grid Cars gives massive publicity to Jaguar as being, as having electric cars Mm. but it is a grid cars backbone it's a grid cars infrastructure which will continue to grow and is universal so you can plug any any vehicle into those charge points mm. and um, and so that platform is already there for any electric car and in fact BMW have got a car park of um, of electric cars and we know that they their customers make use of the grid cars uh, charging network as, sure. as they should uh, it helps the commercial viability for grid cars and the more commercially viable charge points are the greater they will grow and create a customer relevant network 
for electric drivers. And is it, I mean, you were talking about how you are, you must be thrilled about it, how you are struggling to keep up with sort of demand that for every unit you're able to allocate, you have a, a willing buyer already that, you know, uh, you have a lot of interest in these EVs. What do you see as some of the sort of opportunities and maybe some of the challenges that are unique to the South African car buying market. You know, it's been a tough couple of quarters if you look at the sales stats. And, you know, here we're talking about an unambiguously luxury vehicle, right? This isn't uh, this isn't a casual hatchback that some student's buying. Absolutely. Um, so what are the obstacles with, uh, and perhaps the opportunities of selling something like the I-Pace here? I think knowledge is key here. Um, if you know what this vehicle is capable of doing and mm. how, it, it, how it performs, and how you how you live with an electric vehicle by by gaining more knowledge and talking to experts in the field, um, it really opens up your your way of thinking about electric cars. I mean, one of the biggest advantages of owning an electric vehicle um, when you charge the vehicle overnight um, at your house, you wake up every morning with a full tank of fuel, basically. Sure, wouldn't that be nice? Sure, and at a substantially lower price point than uh, filling with uh, regular. Fuel. Absolutely, and you never ever have to go and stand in a queue again uh, sure. at a filling station, which also saves a lot of time. Plus, you get some uh, dedicated parking bays at shopping malls and the sort, Indeed. right? You never have to hunt for parking. Precisely. So, there's a couple of big advantages. I think people just have to go out there and see what it's all about and um, stop with all the naysayers saying, what, what about the grid and how will it handle um, the additional load that we're putting onto it? It doesn't really make such a big difference. I mean, one of the things that is when you're charging your car, you will charge it overnight. Mm. And that's when the grid really isn't um, peaking at all. It's sure. actually quite low. So it's actually less exp- um, um, less expensive to also charge your car overnight. Mm, right, right. And have you seen a lot of demand from buyers to have dedicated charging solutions installed at their premises? Yes, definitely. It just makes sense to actually install um, one at your house or at your office. Sure. Um, it, just, it just enables you to have more time, more freedom. Um, as I said, you wake up every morning, you plug out your car and your car is fully charged mm-hmm. and you move on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you by, by accident go out somewhere during the day and there is a charger available, you will always plug in your car and charge. Electric cars work differently to petrol or diesel cars. So you also always try and keep your uh, um, your top up level um, to the maximum level. Sure, so you're not going to sort of run it down to no, uh, what we used no. to call the smell of an oil rag not before topping up, right? It's just the opposite way around. Right, so part of this is sort of educating consumers about the different behavior that comes with owning a, an electric car, that perhaps it's more like you know the way we treat our smartphones or our laptops. Absolutely. That's a very good analogy to use. Right, and that, I mean, this is the other thing I think that we find very interesting about this vehicle is that it feels in so many ways so deliciously futuristic that it helps as a model for what the future of motoring might look like because it is such an inherently desirable car. Mm. But I want to talk about one of the things that also, of course, invariably our readers have asked us about, and this is the challenge of that price point. You know, as you mentioned, this is a luxury car, but we also don't have 
any of the benefits of rebates or subsidies or anything similar that we see in, in European markets. Um, I mean, the starting price here, if I'm not mistaken, is sort of around the 1.7 million rand mark. You know, what do you think, uh, what are the odds of government getting on board with EVs in years to come? You know, is it a case of, do we need to just keep pushing the rollout of them and hope that government comes around? Or, you know, how, how is it even possible to get government on board? So it's quite a hot, hot topic at the moment because right now uh, electric vehicles attract uh, a higher duty rate mm. um, from cars sourced from Europe at least. And therefore the, there is an, um, an even more negative impact on the price of, of a car because it's electric, which is bizarre. OEMs and, and importers are, um, via the association called NAMSA, preparing a discussion with the government in order not only to normalize that, um, but to also look at the obvious benefits of creating incentives for the adoption of electric. And really it's about how will this industry develop and how will the, um, the uptake of electric cars uh, take place because yeah, coming back to my initial point um, it's going to be a global wave that isn't going to stop and therefore it's in- inevitable that the makeup of cars available to the South African consumer will be heavily weighted with electric cars. There's a lot involved with selling and servicing electric from an equipment point of view, from a competency point of view. It's a very different car to maintain or repair than an internal combustion engine. It is totally different, in fact. The technologies are uh, completely different. And so that adoption rate is likely to be quite steep. And unless we as a country actually get onto the front foot and pave the way for a um, organized, a deliberate adoption swing towards electric. We could have a fairly chaotic scramble to the um, electric age. Um, that's going to impact the consumer because car dealers, um, the, the market won't be able to support that consumer experience if, if the adoption curve is, is too steep. So we are really advocating that we as a country need to um, remain relevant. Wherever you go in the world today, electric is still new. Mm. So whether it's the UK or other European or even Chinese and American environments, it's still a new thing. And there's nothing really which makes South Africa not suitable for electric. Our cities are actually ideal. Most consumers have got uh, garages where their cars park overnight um, and can charge. We don't mm. have off-street right. street parking in, in the main. Uh, the makeup of our cities uh, from a roads quality point of view, from an environment point of view, shopping centers, as public charging is, is ideal. There's no reason why we can't adopt electric. It's not like we have to lag behind the rest of the world. Sure. We can adopt it at the same rate as the rest of the world and therefore get the future long-term benefits. And part of the discussion with government is the fact that we currently have an industry that manufactures for local consumption and export. Mm. And that is a major contributor to our economy. And that is at risk if we are not a globally relevant local market, which means we've got a a mature adoption of of electric. So there's a lot at stake. It's not something which South Africans should just say, what we different, it's not for us. It's a global move and um, we really think we should climb on the wagon and uh, make it work quickly. Sure, climb on the electric wagon. And, And how important is it also that automakers sort of work together 
when it comes to broadening the education about EVs, uh, talking yeah. about you know total cost of ownership, uh, these sorts of things. You know, is collaboration across OEMs important? Yes, and it and it's there. Uh, so we do sit around a NAMSA table, and in fact, consumer education is uh, first and foremost on the agenda. I think it starts with the media. It's amazing how attitudes have shifted in the last couple of years and particularly the last couple of months as more products and, and new generation products like Jaguar R-Pace come into the market. They really have, for those who've become, you know, had first-hand experience of the cars, I think mm. there's, there's a, a different outlook and an accepting mind to electric because they're great to drive. Well, this is what we say to people, you know, if you don't like electric cars, that probably means you just haven't driven one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, they are absolutely captivating. They're awesome to live with. And the, the obstacles are not that real and and um, there's answers to all of those obstacles and, and so the adoption we think is or the education is key to, to adoption but it's not like we don't have answers we we can adopt at the same rate as global markets and what do you say to to people who say things like well you know South Africa's grid is still mostly powered by coal-fired power stations so your allegedly green EV is really just burning a different sort of fossil fuel yeah so that coal that coal is burning to keep a power station going mm. um, and how power stations run is that they run at um, a fairly constant level they don't rev um, like a car engine would up and down sure. according to demand um, so those power stations have to deliver a level of energy um, which can supply peak demand mm. but as Isaac said the best way to charge an electric car is overnight while we're sleeping and that is when there's a lull in the overall demand so the same amount of coal will be burnt but the electric cars driving down the road will have zero tailpipe emissions Mm. and there have been studies done by experts which talk about the drop in emissions if we if Eskom continue with exactly the same type of power stations and it's substantial it's somewhere around 17% and then if um, our power stations sort of change me- methodology um, or adopt other technologies that drop exceeds um, uh, 34% so it will have a positive impact on the environment even without changing our power stations but of course a consumer or a driver in an electric car has also got more choice and so a home solar installation is not a bad idea and does have a payback period of about seven years the addition of an electric car to that world of off-grid solar home installation makes that payback much much quicker so the adoption of solar plus electric car is quite a interesting one for those who, who, who can afford it. So the consumer's got, got more options. Whichever way you look at it, the introduction of electric cars will have a positive impact on the environment. Now, and they're great to drive. And they, they are great to drive. That we can certainly attest to. Now, I see also recently there's been an announcement in the uh, European Union that there are proposed regulations for uh, sound to be emitted from these cars beneath certain speeds. 
speeds so that uh, people, you know, don't accidentally step out in front of them. And what I want to know is, do you envision a world where perhaps we can customize this? So, for example, your eye pace at under 30 kilometers an hour will have a gentle purr, perhaps, of a, a, a pleased uh, jaguar in the wild. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> terrible idea. I mean, ja- ja- you shouldn't jaywalk. You shouldn't. Um, you know, I've experienced driving through the suburbs uh, as a driver, um, a real heightened awareness to looking at what's on the curb, what's on the pavement, you know, good old defensive driving sure. thing. I think it's real. I think there's dual responsibility. You, you should look where you walk. Drivers should uh, drive appropriately given the, the environment, what's around them. Uh, there's been talk about this noise thing um, on and off. Um, I'm not a fan of artificial sound. We'll see where global legislation takes us. Yeah. Well, these are these. I mean, these are the things. This is what happens in a sort of brave new world where we're still working out the rules as we as we go along. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're just about out of time, but I want to say, gentlemen, with this, you know, for someone perhaps who hasn't driven an EV or who is still skeptical, you know, what would you say to them? Other than, I guess, head to the Jaguar Land Rover experience and uh, book a test drive. Yeah, you know, I think it's about having an open mind to, to technology. If we take uh, diesel as an example, in the in the early 80s, there were no diesel engines in premium cars. Mm. It, and um, uh, the thought was horrendous, this clacking, smelly thing in a premium household driveway. But um, as diesel technology um, got better, uh, consumers realized they were great to drive. Fantastic torque characteristics. Um, and the uptake of diesel in the premium segment is around about um, half of, of, of all cars. Electric is no different. It's new technology. It's, it creates a lot of benefits for the driver as well as benefits for the environment, etc. Um, and have an open mind. Um, it's entirely doable. And then go and drive one. Is that absolutely? As Brian said, it's fast and you need to get into a seat and get behind the wheel and actually experience it for yourself. Well, and it's certainly uh, certainly luxurious. Absolutely. Yeah. As all Jags are. As all Jags are. Well, gentlemen, thank you so very much for your time today. Uh, it's been lovely chatting to you and I mean we are extremely excited about our uh, electric future and we can't wait to see what you roll out next. Thanks for the chat.